0: DevOps is on the same kind of trajectory. It's always about DNA, empathy, humility, the ability to compassionately understand somebody else's pain, to be able to pull that into the larger process and operating model that you're working through.
1: Welcome to the Open at Intel podcast, where we're all about open source, from software to security to innovation and beyond. I'm your host, Catherine Druckman, an open source evangelist at Intel bringing you leading-edge, free-ranging conversations from some of the best minds in the open-source community. Let's get into it. I chatted with Brad Maltz and Ryan Wallner of Dell all about DevOps and platform engineering, the challenges and importance of understanding the full technology picture, the ubiquity of Kubernetes, and the complexity of the cloud-native landscape. They shared a lot of wisdom, and I think you'll enjoy. So hey. Uh, thank you, both Ryan and Brad, for joining me. I first of all, I really appreciate taking time out of KubeCon because sure. this is this event is pretty mm-hmm. intense, and everyone's yeah. schedule is at, mm-hmm. like beyond belief, right? So, thank you, of for, for carving out a little a little time here. Um, so, t- tell us, tell us what you do. So, we have a lot in common. A little spoiler alert: we have something in common. <laughs> We're both, you know, open source nerds, DevRel yeah. kind of nerds within hardware companies. So, t- tell me who you are and what you do.
0: Yeah, so I'll kick it off. Uh, So I'm Senior Director of Product Management of the DevOps portfolio, and I also run DevRel, which is like mind-blowing to think of two things coming together. But um, basically, when we kicked off the product management side of the DevOps portfolio, I told everybody, we really need a DevRel team to help us talk to the community in the right way and enter folks like Ryan.
2: That's right. My name is Ryan (laughs) Wallner, uh, Lead Developer Advocate. We're for Brad's dev rel team, one of 5 now I think we, we have. Five. Yeah. And uh yeah, I've been involved in sort of the Kubernetes space for really early days. I worked at the office of the CTO at EMC back in 2013 when I first started to sort of explore containers and that led me to a number of different startups both working in open source um, and various other projects working sort of anywhere in between this sort of evangelism and advocacy and technical marketing roles kind of going back and forth between both ultimately which led me here to sort of you know build something new and different at dell
1: cool so so actually to me it makes perfect sense where you're where you're located as you just mentioned how how do you approach like um it's a, it's a two-way line of communication right you've got the community you've got you've got product and these things really need to flow. The mm. ideas need to flow. It's not just about you, you know, disseminating them in the community. It's also bringing that stuff back. And I wonder how you approach that. Like, what are, how do you kind of prioritize where to bring the pain points back it, internally?
0: It's funny. When we first created the function, I was very pedantic on their titles. Mm. And when I looked across... DevRel was kind of like, there's community managers, there's developer evangelists, there's developer advocates. And I kind of took a very hard line stance and I said, number one priority for these folks is to be able to advocate for the community back into Dell, not to evangelize Dell out to the community. I wanted the inverse. Makes um, sense to me. So through that, what we said is, 50% of your job is obviously participating in the community because so many people ask, why does Dell have DevRel and what are you <laughs> really doing in the community? So we have to get that, that out question. of the way. No. But the inverse of it is inside of Dell, our product management, product marketing, all those organizations, they don't understand the Kubernetes admins. They don't understand the platform engineers, the DevOps folks. So really, the advocacy is an educational function. So what I'm finding is my DevRel team is on a continuous educational journey, external
2: as well as internal.
1: Cool. Um, so, so tell us about that educational yes. journey. I have
2: opinions now. <laughs> what, what are you into?
1: Um, what are you I, into right now?
2: So I, I think I just want to comment on kind of what he said okay. a little bit. What makes a big difference for me is being part of products management, right? And, and having that line of communication, to bring what we're talking about in the community or you know, participating in the community with, um, bringing that back to those product lines and having that direct line of communication changes it a lot, right? So it's it's very hard, especially at larger companies that's trying to change something that's been one way for a long time. How do you break down those walls, right? And having that, having that communication in that sort of open, hey, I'm here to help educate, I'm here to help bring these ideas that we're hearing about and participating in back to you know our strategies and, and the way we develop things and, and think about things. That's, I think, a big reason why I got excited about this role. Yeah. Um, and for 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 us, it's definitely you know this educational piece is is different. I think at Dell and maybe you as well at Intel than you know smaller you know startups or greenfield companies where they're starting here at KubeCon with yeah, Kubernetes, right? Sure. Which is a totally different than trying to bring in this sort of heavyweight thing that's been around for a long time and changing mindsets. So education, I think, is an you know, integral part of how you change that mindset.
1: Cool, so, so let's, let, let's talk about your love of DevOps.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, I, I'll tell you a little story. So I, um, my background is, well, it's in web software. But yeah. I found myself in a position of having to rapidly learn mm-hmm. how to, I don't know, configure a CICD pipeline, mm-hmm. configure all of these things, get into the DevOps world, and, and as a as a relative newcomer, and that was a few years ago. And I suppose I've learned I've learned some things. I've experienced sure. some yep. growing pains, as we, we all, all have. And, <laughs> yeah yeah. But I wondered, like, if, if you were talking to me, the, the me of I don't know five, six, seven, eight years ago, what would you tell me? Where would what would you tell me? It's like, how, how do I? You know what are the what are the things to watch out for? What are the pain points?
2: Yeah, I I mean if it was 6 7 years ago, what well, that brings us to, you know, mid 20s some you know, 13 15 that kind of thing. <laughs> okay.
0: Math.
1: Like, yeah, like, math. let me back up a little bit. Pretend it's today, though. Bring but person I don't know forward. anything.
2: Got it. Got it. That's and not you don't a know huge leap. Back the future. <laughs> so, I think the the big thing that I would start with is 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 almost telling them not to start with the Kubernetes community first, right? Okay. Bring it back to basics to a to a certain degree. Like, what is DevOps? What does it mean to your organization? Um, and and what does that mean both technologically and culturally? Right. A lot of what I've seen and what we talk about is the importance of the culture and how that changes organizations, um, you know, along with the technology that you bring in it, right? There's, there's the, the saying that you can't just throw a whole bunch of DevOps tools at a team and now you do DevOps. That's just like, you know, oh, <laughs> it doesn't work it? that it doesn't? way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I <heard> it worked. <laughs> that, that explains a lot. <laughs> um, and I've seen that in practice, like literally, you know, they throw tools and say, well, now we're DevOps. We have Jenkins. We have, you know, circle We have all these things. Um, we have Kubernetes or Mesos. And that's not the reality. And because if there's a mismatch of, the way the teams are set up, the way they understand how they're providing uh, their value up the chain to the platform, whatever it may be, then that culture has to sort of mimic what your your goals are. Um, and so I'd almost say, you know, start there, start reading about DevOps or reading about how the culture and organizational changes because the technology you can learn, right? I yeah. think if you're in this space, you can you're you're willing to pick up new things and educate yourself. But the the other side of it, the organizational side of it, is often the hardest. One
0: hundred percent. I think uh, the thing that I come from a slightly different background. I'm I was always closer to kind of the uh, system solution architecture world, sysadmin virtualization yeah, yeah. side of the space. The cool and, kids. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I was always somebody that's like, yeah, there you go. Well, <laughs> they like that. Get. Um, I was always somebody that looked at it, and even back in the virtualization cycle, it was always about trying to get multiple different functions to work together, and it became a cultural DNA discussion even back then in the early VMware days. DevOps is on the same kind of trajectory. It's always about DNA, empathy, humility, the ability to compassionately understand somebody else's pain to be able to pull that into the larger process and operating model that you're working through. So somebody that has to learn how to live in a truly best practices led DevOps world, the social skills are huge. It's not the technology, you can learn that unless you really don't understand tech. (laughs) But if you're not good at working with somebody, understanding somebody else's viewpoint, what they do on a daily basis, being able to uh, actually partner with them yeah. Then DevOps fails if you can't fix that.
1: Ah, I like it. That actually, that is a perfect segue into something that I wanted to bring up, which is um, bringing in the developer experience perspective in whatever it is that you're doing. And I wondered if if you had any thoughts on that. Like, how do you really capture again pain points? How do you capture the needs of the developers that are using these systems that you set up?
0: Yeah. So. It's interesting because when you look at, again, we have a, a semi-hardline DevOps equals operating model, culture.
1: Okay. So
0: DevOps is not a person. In the DevOps world, One you hopes. have different roles. Yeah. You have Kubernetes admins, you have infrastructure engineers, you have different functions. When you start talking about the people that are managing the pipeline to CICD environment, the developer tooling, all that type of stuff. What happens there is I think we've kind of been on this trajectory of firefight they would kind of live in the wild, wild west. Now we all want to start doing CICD things. But they were kind of pseudo in the wild west with a few more guardrails that we're trying to apply. Now when you have things like backstage and other projects from the CNCF that start to give you a more standardized way to develop a catalog a, a developer experience led approach API first standards based guardrails implementation of that. I think developer experience finally is not something that we just talk about but we can actually put it into practice finally the nuance here is does that developer experience stop at the pipeline developer tooling or does it go all the way down to the infrastructure bits and i think that's the shift we're starting to make now is how do you keep bringing it down further into the stack
1: right okay
2: yeah you know, for me, I think there's there's almost two sides of this coin too, right? Um, it's the developer experience, both internally, how you're how you're developing your product, how you're kind of dog fooding the technology and the culture. Champagneing, <laughs> yeah, champagneing. I like that. <laughs> um, uh, and then there's also obviously the, the the end users, the customers who are are interacting with the product. Um, and and I've seen, especially in this cloud native community. That that first touch experience also means a ton, right? So it, so developer experience starts from day zero when they discover and interact with, you know, maybe I want to run this thing. Not even an integrate it into a full pipeline that they have going on, right? And and that that extends, I think, from day zero on and 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 we should think about it both internally and externally in terms of like our personas and users who are, you know, because it, it does differ a little bit, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so I, 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 keep, I keep wanting to, 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 pivot to something. Um, and that is, I, I mentioned off offline earlier that I wanted to talk, <laughs> talk about platform engineering sure. and, and I'll put it this way. And again, I think I know the difference, but maybe I don't. Let's talk about what is platform engineering versus DevOps.
2: Yeah. You know, in Amsterdam, we definitely talked about platform engineering a lot. It was a, it was a big topic and it's still a big topic here in Chicago, And I think the reason that we're seeing that is because we've been, you know, we've been doing this DevOps and cloud native thing for a while. And I think they have different aspects about how to run that cloud native environment. Yes, there's parts of DevOps, but then there's this cloud native piece, which sort of mingles the two. And so I think there's this part of it that says, well, we need a better way to do these things together. And we want to sort of give it an identity right? Uh, Because the reality is we wound up building these Kubernetes platforms and we call them Kubernetes platforms because multiple teams are using them. There's multiple consumptions and and, and producers from these singular platforms. And so what what is the interaction for how you interact with that Kubernetes platform or that cloud, cloud environment? And often, and what we still see probably is that there's and um, there's several different ways within a single company that, you know, this team might do it this way, this team might do it this way. And I think the idea behind platform engineering really is trying to solidify common practices in common ways, the same way we did with DevOps practices and give it some identity. And, and we've heard the term golden paths a lot. And I think that's that's been a term that's really stuck over the past couple of Kubecons because I think people understand. Well, go, okay, gold's good, right, <laughs> generally. And um, having a path, well, that's a good way to do something, right? They associate with that. And, and does that give me the least path of resistance to kind of using these technologies? Because it is complex. And so I think the complexity combined with those really have yeah. enabled this platform term.
1: Okay. So, so let's talk about I, I I have a hunch that a lot of people listening to this podcast are well, they, they. I probably identify with them, right? They're people who <laughs> either are currently or, or are developers or aspire to be, or just certainly aspire to be better at it. And I wondered what advice you have, or not necessarily developer, but DevOps engineers, engineers of all types, frankly. What advice do you have for people? Where are the where are the uh, the hurdles? Where are the where? What are the important skills? What are the important uh, pieces of building these platforms that make them successful?
0: Mm-hmm. So when you look across building a platform, unfortunately for the people that are building it, you're building a full stack experience, right? Yeah, there's, you're,
1: there's a term <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you, we haven't used in a while.
0: You, you are basically, you're, you're hardware compute. Yeah. You have operating systems, you have hypervisors, you have storage, you have networking, you have security, you have all these things mm-hmm. all the way up through the developer tools. So for somebody getting into that platform engineering style role, you kind of have to become a jack-of-all-trades at some level. You don't have to go deep on it. I everything. was
1: afraid you'd say You got, it, you, you got, you got it. It, it.
0: Even if it's no, a I, cursory I, I, yeah. understanding of when I say storage, do you understand the basics? You don't have to be the SME, and I think that's the nuance in this yeah. world. In a platform engineering team, I think everybody's going to be some form of a jack-of-all-trade, and you're going to have some people that are more on the SME side of certain different pieces of it. You're going to have people that might be a little stronger in the automation side, people that might be more networking experts, storage experts, security experts. Depending on your background, where you're coming from, though, everybody should understand the developer experience-led approach to what the platform is delivering. And what I almost put a spin on, as I'm telling people, in a platform engineering team, you are now a product team. You are literally building the product that IT has always talked about, but never actually delivered because IT was always in firefight mode. IT was always trying to, you know, spin new nodes, upgrade things, patch things. Well, now flip the mindset. How do you lead things with product management through an engineering mindset, but as an IT organization? So your skill sets need to become requirements led, agile, learning different soft skills along with the actual technical side.
1: That's interesting. I, you know, I love that you say, you know, a, a jack of all trades, or I suppose a Jill of all trades. I, I feel like, and I harp on this a lot, and I think maybe our listeners are tired of hearing this from me, but <laughs> the way that we build software is increasingly complex. If yeah. you have again giving my my age a little bit, if you've been around a while, things have gotten a lot more complicated. People are working in these little discrete little micro communities. People are people are very hyper focused on going mm-hmm. deep into a specific technology and nobody really understands the big picture anymore, do they? I don't know. Like well, I don't I think know they how everything d- Well, okay, you do. Interesting.
0: Well, no, I, <laughs> not me personally, but I think like when you hear the term enterprise architect.
1: Okay, fair. To
0: me, the enterprise architect role they have to be maybe not a jack of all trades.
1: Yeah. But a jack
0: of many. Right.
2: Yeah. And I, I wanna extend that to say that you sort of have to take that mindset because when you develop this one of these micro applications and put it into this Kubernetes snack stack, it touches a lot of pieces. That complexity mm-hmm. immediately sure, you yeah, know yeah. puts its tentacles out and you okay. touch a lot of pieces. So if you don't understand that you don't necessarily understand where something may go wrong, right? So you can't just like throw it over the wall like we Fair. used to, right? It, and now you sort of have to at least know enough about the networking, enough about the storage to say, well, that's what's going on with my application. Not to say that you need to necessarily be an expert, like you said, yes. in each one of those, because yeah. that's just, you're just asking for trouble, right? <laughs> you burn out immediately, right? Um, but yeah, And I think, by the way, uh, uh,
0: God love Kubernetes. It's part of the problem yeah. as much <laughs> as it is a solution, <laughs> right? Because... If you look, Kubernetes is an orchestration platform for containers. We know that. But that means that as you define an application, aka manifest in a Kubernetes world, you need to understand everything from security implications, networking implications, every piece of that environment, Kubernetes tries to abstract, which makes Kubernetes more complex. Well, Kubernetes one as the abstraction for a platform going forward, which means if you're going to be that lead platform engineer on a platform engineering team, you got to know yeah, sure. almost all the pieces. Yeah,
1: I, I, where I'm going with this is that you, I feel like the term full stack is something that is mm. less and less used. Outdated. It's something that... Yeah. Yeah, what well, about yeah, 10 Dev? Sorry, say that again. Oh well, that is Well, I'm just tired of that, uh, period. I don't want to hear that. Um, that is a myth. Or maybe it's not. I don't know. That is an, a level of overconfidence I've never experienced is what that is. But...
2: Maybe it's an ex-o- XOps dev then. Oh, oh. <laughs> you We're have no I time. do everything. I know everything.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I just. I, I feel like we. There used to be more people who identified that way. You know what I mean? It's full stack. Whereas. Yeah. I think where where the uh, community and where software is gone has lent lent itself to more specialization, and that's yeah. why I appreciate you bringing this. We're bringing us kind of back around to this idea of a full stack of having at least shallow knowledge across the board, which I think is really valuable. Well, uh, we uh, have
2: I'm, a we have a different definition now of what stack means, and 100. that's a big part of it. Sure, right? Sure, sure. Like yeah. a but stack will a, be called full stack. You yeah, just not, key, not so lamp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You were, no, no, I, get, you were I get, Storage I get. server network.
0: You were full stack back yeah, in the day. Yeah, now, yeah. keep going. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: That's yeah. So it's a, but it's a different mindset, certainly. Yeah. I think, or it at least is. that's my observation. Of mean, having been around for too long,
0: you're you're <laughs> actually hitting on an interesting point, which is more of, in the world we're living, as we have things like all the CNCF projects and all the different tools like Kubernetes and then virtualization, all the stuff. Maybe there is a gap when you really look across the ecosystem of people, certifications, trainings, and all the other aspects. It used to be very vendor-led. When you would say, okay, if I'm Cisco, who's my full stack experts from Cisco? They were CCIEs. They had to know the entire portfolio, everything security, network, and load balancing, you name it. When you look virtualization, they had their own certification that had to be kind of VMware-based. In the Kubernetes CNCF space, maybe that platform engineer higher level stamp of approval has not been created yet. Maybe it's a gap.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. Um, yeah, so so there's something I want to pivot a little bit again. Sure. Uh, there's something that I, I, I've kind of observed, right? And that is the open open source community. Again, I, I've been around a minute, so I you know a hundred years ago, I was I was heavily more involved <laughs> in, in things like. Linux and Linux focused events. Sure. Kubernetes, in my in my mind, is maybe the biggest open source success story since Linux. Right? It is sure. kind of almost ubiquitous. Right? It's almost everywhere. Yeah. And I, I wondered if you had any thoughts on that. What your feelings are about the ubiquity of Kubernetes? I mean, is it really everywhere? So where 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 do we not find it?
2: I think for me, it's. It's really a, it's it's the abstraction of containers that changed that mindset yeah. a bit, right? rapidly
1: too. Rapidly, right? Mm-hmm.
2: right. Yeah. So we we thought in the mindset of containers, which led us to yet again another abstraction of Kubernetes running those containers. But really, we're we're focusing on what's sort of in that container, what application I can develop across many containers. So we sort of lose the where it runs concern, and that that's a that's a big part of the success mm-hmm. of containers. Even though right, there's still a lot of well. Can I run these as Windows containers? What does that look like on Windows Server? What does it look like on Linux? You know, All these things together, I think, um, it sort of abstracts your thinking. And so you kind of get away from just thinking about the base OS because a lot of these Linux distributions will run your container the same way, right? So you, you sort of operate at a different level and, I, and maybe, maybe it's a hypothesis more than it is you know, uh, a fact, but.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: Something worth thinking about.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: By the way, I mean, you can almost say Linux just hit the maturity cycle, and it's now in mature mode.
1: Well, it's a sensitive topic for me because I spent many, many years at Linux Journal,
2: Ah. and there was a weird moment
1: where um, Linux definitely won. It was no longer a question of legitimacy, or you know, most Linux powers everything in the world. What would what would happen if Linux disappeared? Um, that's something <laughs> I had George Castro on. You bring
0: OS2 Warp
1: back? No, I, uh, Yeah, right. Oh, oh, God, that's funny. Like, I don't even... I, I would be curious to know, actually, if you're listening and you got that joke, please tell me because I would be curious to know. I just dated
0: myself. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, it's cool because I just did for laughing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, George Castro was on not too long ago and he made the comment, like, if Linux went away, there would be zombies the next day because it, it, it's kind of yeah. important stuff. But anyway, yeah. but it's, it's kind of a sensitive thing. It's like, once you win... People don't care to talk about it anymore.
2: Yeah. That's it? It's a good thing. Not if you're running yeah. a magnet, oh, <laughs> No, that's, that's fair. That's well, fair okay, point. Okay, that's fair.
1: <laughs> no, it is a good thing. I get I get it. Pivot. Yeah. Oh I, go, oh, I have well, we to be an engineer now. we love abstractions,
2: right? So if we're if we're talking about something less, it's likely because 'cause we've made another abstraction and that's where it becomes turtles well, all think the way down. We, so we've become abstraction <laughs> happy over the past
0: twenty years. Yeah. yeah. Which
2: is good and
0: bad all at the same time. Yeah. And, and that
1: so. that's exactly where I was going before. You know, the complexity and the it's a it's a mind-bogglingly mm. complex world. The cloud native landscape. Again, I harp on this a lot. It is, you know, to to somebody to a newcomer particularly. Where in the world do you start?
2: Yeah. yeah. But that mm.
1: I digress. I wanted to make sure. You know, I, I I've kept you here a little while. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> yeah. good. You're good. But um, I know I'm having a good time. Is there anything that I did not ask you that you wanted to talk about?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. Honestly, I think this has been a great discussion. So I don't have a single, a special topic. No.
1: Oh well, I appreciate that. I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. That's good. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, thank you so much, and, and um, I appreciate kindred spirits like you yes. joining me in my little fishbowl over I here. I like it.
2: No, this is nice. And <laughs> we'll have you over in our podcast soon. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I hope I hope to be entertaining. Well, thank you so much, and I hope everyone listening and do do drop me a line if you got that joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. We'll take a poll. <laughs>
1: Thanks. You've been listening to Open at Intel. Be sure to check out more from the Open at Intel podcast at open.intel.com slash podcast and at Open at Intel on Twitter. We hope you join us again next time to geek out about open source.